Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. It's Caleb, it's Adam, it's Rhiannon. We're also recording on people's lunch breaks. So uh, we're just going to jump straight into the Marvel stuff. Hey, let's talk about Black Widow. Did you guys, uh, how'd you guys like that movie? (laughs) I really liked it. I don't know. It's been fascinating to me to see the other reviews that come out. Caleb, I guess you didn't do your review last week. What did you think now that you've seen it? Yeah. So first of all, we'll be full spoilers on stuff, guys. So that just be warned. First of all, I was amazed how much I disagree with you and Adam on the five questions we asked last week. Just like, to me, it is definitely a Marvel Bond movie. Like, it had like Bond feel all over me. It's a secret agent. She's on the run. She even has her own Q, who's like a British guy who's giving her equipment and stuff. There was like a big Bond spy headquarters in the sky that blew up at the end. Like, um, the villain could have been like j uh could have been one of the jason Bourne villains like brian cox you know like the the old like grizzled man in the suit you know that runs the spy agency i felt like it was a very much a spy movie but sure i mean was what was it like a spy thriller it was i mean they, they had aspects of it i mean yeah. it wasn't like well they did pull out the the face stuff the mission impossible face thing yeah yeah, was, they did that switcheroo. So I guess there was the undercover element. Sure. And sure. to me, I also had a bit of vibes of the Daniel Craig Bond movies as far as like family melodrama and like going back into the character's past to try to like root them, not just as a heartless assassin, but also someone who has a deep sense of feeling. Like I think a lot of Daniel Craig Bond tropes were, um, associ- were, were into this movie. You know, if I had to compare it to a Bond, I think it was most like a Daniel Craig Bond movie. So, but I generally, I thought it was fine. I mean, Rhiannon, you were exactly right. It is, it's middle of the pack to me. I mean, it's, so I was thinking about this last night and how I would hate talking about this because I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I really like that it's a small adventure that is, that's sort of a side mission it's not like a big world ending apocalypse thing and we've talked about how marvel has to be able to scale back down to smaller movies and not just try to up end game you know every movie on the same hand man did it feel a little disconnected from the rest of the mcu is sort of like valid and i think this may be dumb as i don't know if this is really a fair criticism at all i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more if it had like come out like between Civil War and Infinity War. Like if this had come out about the time Black Panther came out, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more because it would like fit into the time frame and it gave me more info about that time frame. Now going back, I'm a little like, okay, whatever. You know, like I, I struggle a little bit with prequels because they don't feel like they can be that significant if they don't have impact beyond what we've seen already in the movies, if that makes sense. No, I agree. If it had happened in the timeline where it exists, it would have been better, without a doubt. I I agree with you on the like grounded. I hate to use the word grounded. It's almost like they made this movie and then it felt too grounded, so they did another airship, which I totally feel like we've seen twice now. You know, like it lost 
to me that was unoriginal but it just felt like oh hey yeah it's the marvel airship like whatever world these marvel movies are in at this point they just have communities in the sky um everywhere you know i just assume at this point wakanda has a airship we don't know about australia has a random one for no reason you know i just assume that this world that we're in now has random sky villages for no reason the canadians do with alpha flight undoubtedly I, i i do think it hurt too that the climax of winter soldier which is the movie this is most compared to is captain america fighting a bad guy on an airplane that's getting blown out of the sky and the the climax of this movie was her fighting a bad guy on an airship that was blowing out of the sky like i just don't think that helped it particularly but yeah that's what i'm with you there and i think that's because yeah i was in the movie waiting for all of these third act flaws to emerge that everybody kept talking about and I was like, well, I mean, you know, like this is the same third act that Marvel gives in their movies. You have the big fight on the airship that's crashing and, you know, things are exploding and mm. things are happening. Like, and then like now that people have seen it, they've, you know, told me their real issues with the third act. And I don't know. I mean, to me, it's a Marvel third act. I am interested in talking a little bit. Um, this movie was about something much more than I ever expected this movie to be about something. Uh, to me, like that really startling line was when he, we said, I took advantage of the only natural resource the world has too much of, little girls. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like that was, um, I mean, I think it was very clear that Johansson on a producer role wanted this movie to be about the way women are exploited and mistreated. And like the villain was kind of like, um, I don't know. The villain was like toxic masculinity embodied into a Russian dude. And I kind of enjoyed that part of it. Like I did not see that coming, but I did feel like it was interesting. And I liked, there was a lot less punching than I thought there'd be, but I think that's because her face to face and trying to outwit Russian mustache man was, I, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I found all that stuff to be really fascinating. I did too. And I liked that there was action that wasn't punching. I mean, the whole helicopter saving and avalanche, that that to me was exciting enough. You know, like there were punches, I guess, happening in the prison. But the prison, like to me, that was action that added to the tension without being unnecessary. You were certainly correct, Adam, that there was not a whole lot of action beats that we did not see in the trailer. I think some of that's because we got like three trailers and they advertised this movie for two years. But also I felt like it was a little light. It's weird because the action was good, but it was a little light. Like there just wasn't a lot of it. I don't feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't really have much more to add to that. Or on Black Widow as a whole. I watched it again and yeah, you know, whatever sure uh no yeah every every single i i i watched for it and I, I don't think much i can't i can't remember one action scene that that wasn't at least teased in the trailer same with task master task master uh, of course the the unmasking things were weren't in the trailer um but outside of that everything else was 
Um, and apparently there's a substantial amount of discourse surrounding that villain on Twitter today. So I'm probably going to stay away from that one because some people think it's the, the best character ever. But, I mean, yeah, Black I Black think Black. it's worth us talking a little bit. They certainly have reshaped Taskmaster in a way that is very different from the comic books. Uh, I mean, frankly, on a spoiler level, like it's just a different identity, a different person who is Taskmaster. Uh, I feel like they purposely soft-pedaled, whether it was natural ability or a chip. I feel like it was maybe a computer chip in Taskmaster's well, they did the, Yeah, they did the heads-up display thing where I was like tracking her emotions or whatever. So I assumed it's just the technology. <laughs> But even then, I mean, you could take Taskmaster out of the movie and it won't change the movie one bit. Oh, yeah, because in classic Bond style, this is like the Taskmaster was sort of like the Jaws villain. Like if you've watched Bond movies, sometimes there's like even an iconic villain, but they're not really they're just a big henchman. Like they're just a big thing to punch, but they really don't have a whole lot of agency in those movies other than henchmen. So Rhiannon is somebody who doesn't have the same taskmaster like uh long lifelong love i'm sure that you know some people do did you enjoy that villain turn or yeah i mean knowing nothing about taskmaster um so like i have no idea what i was supposed to expect as far as what skills or whatever taskmaster has um so if I just look at Taskmasters, here's the villain that we were given for this movie. I liked it. I mean, and, and like Taskmaster wasn't the villain. Um, Dracoff, I guess, was the villain. So the fact that it turned out that this character ended up being Dracoff's daughter villainized after something Natasha did to free herself from the Red Room, I enjoyed that connective thread i enjoyed that twist i enjoyed what they did of that like how taskmaster got her skills i mean how did any of the widows get their skills i just assumed it was another widow programming thing and then whatever from that suit uh, that gave additional skills and the end the mind and whatever the mind programming Here's the thing, the one point that if I had had to think about these plot points, if I had gotten chunks of them and a week to think about them in between, I would not have enjoyed this story at all. <laughs> I, I just Talking about TV shows there. versus movies, if this had been a six-hour yeah. TV show, you would have been in, in trouble. No, if this had been a six-hour TV show... It wouldn't hold up, but because it's like, okay, here's Taskmaster, but you know, it disappears, and then here's the next part of it, and okay, it's all resolved. I didn't have to think about it much. I could just be along for the ride, and it was enjoyable. But if I had been forced to just sort of dwell on it for a week at a time, this would not have been an enjoyable story. But as a movie, it was enjoyable. My favorite thing was that every time they showed us the widows, they were just pacing back and forth in that one room. I'm like, oh, I guess this is how you train assassins. You just make them walk from one end of the room to the other, do a cool little turnaround, and then walk back, you know? <laughs> uh, to me, there was 
imagery of that and them being sort of like caged animals or treated like caged animals. Right. Um, that that the pacing just sort of made sense to me. You know, and, and the train, I mean, like I didn't expect to really see them training. I mean, yeah. I guess they were just sort of training, walking back and forth, but um, I don't know. I, I was okay with them not boring me with a whole lot of winter training. I liked that we just had a quick montage of, you know, here's how the widows are stolen and trained and groomed and raised or whatever. The whole, the whole Nirvana cover thing to, to sort of get you through, here's what the Red Room is. Yeah. I liked them just glossing over that. I didn't want a whole lot of like seeing intensive Red Room training in this yeah. movie. And we didn't have to like redo everything we've seen in Age of Ultron all over again. So you bring up Nirvana. I told Villanueva this. The way that cover was and how it was shot with like the credits and stuff, I told him I was surprised the you want still a car thing didn't pop up like the anti piracy ad. I can't remember if we've talked about this before, but that was Uh -uh. very 90s anti-piracy. You wouldn't steal uh, whatever it is. I don't even remember what it was at the beginning of DVDs or something, right? Oh, there's like an old PSA you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, it looked exactly like it. Uh, So this, Adam, maybe you can write an article about this if you need an extra one. Uh, Do we have the, is Black Widow the first mutant in the MCU? Like, it's a bit of a stretch, but they did say that like they selected her based on her genetic potential as a baby. And so it's sort of imbued her with superpower. Like, no, you're not just an average Joe that got trained to be an assassin. We checked your genetic code and you are genetically predispositioned to be a better spy than anybody else would be, which I don't, it's like a very low latent form of mutancy, but it is like a DNA-based superpower, kind of, isn't it? Mm, I mean, are our, our NFL athletes mutants or our Olympians mutants or something? Yeah, like Michael that, Phelps know? a mutant? He is. If you ever seen the way that that man's body is put together, he is. He's as close to Aquaman as we're ever getting. So I don't. I don't know. I, that's exhausting. Just just thinking about it. So I'm going to pass. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> I, I am going to pass on that. Um, Oh, oh that gets you some. That gets you some clicks, man. Black Widow is the first MCU mutant. People, will, people will try to click that to figure out what's going on. Uh, go ahead, tweet it, man. You're going viral. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're we're recording early for Adam. We are, man. It is early. It is the crack of dawn <laughs> around these parts. I am. It is about four a.m. where I'm at. Um, so we're recording super early. I'm not. It's actually noon. So. <laughs> it's not true Adam at all. Snuck off to like the Philippines or somewhere. I don't. Know. You don't know where I am. You, you don't know where I am. It's true. This, he just carries those good... bookshelves with him. No green screen, man. Oh, this okay. green screen is sublime. Uh, Adam, I would love to talk about Red Guardian in a minute. I know. Hilarious. I think you got a great kick out of him. Yeah. You wanted to talk about jokes last week too. What were the jokes mm-hmm. that you were so interested in talking about? Uh, well um the helicopter crash the most perfect editing i think i've ever seen or it's like ah we'll make it crash (laughs) yeah um and it was just so jarring because like two lines before florence Pugh literally said that they scooped out her her body parts and i'm like yeah what 
what the hell's this movie about? You know, it, they would take that and then instantly inject levity into it. And it was created this really weird mismatch. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, the jokes mainly landed for me. It's just weird that they decided to balance the super, super dark mind control type stuff with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but that- I do think that was an interesting way because a friend of mine like had concerns for taking her child and was asking like, how do they deal with the forced sterilization part of it? And I was like, well, it's, I mean, that was an interesting take on how to talk about it, but not really talk about it. Yeah. I, I felt like it was, to me, it's dark, dark, you know, taking something horrific and just kind of making jokes about it. And I don't know. In our theater, I felt like there was a little bit of discomfort at that moment where like people are like, oh, is that something that we can actually make jokes about? And given how, you know, generally not edgy Marvel is about stuff, I just found myself, it's kind of like uh, the Jackson Pollock joke in Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy, where I was like, I'm surprised that made it through the, you know, Disney filters and the let's make a great PG 13 movie. And for me, and we talked about this a little bit on Twitter, I really do think it's the darkest MCU movie. Like some of those, th- that montage during the opening credits with them, like pulling girls out of um, like shipping trailer, you know, like stuff. I don't know. I was sitting there you know, having my 11 year old next to me. And I was like, I don't know if she's ready for this. Like this is some pretty heavy w- real world stuff that they're kind of going into. See, and it was so weird to me when you, when you talked about that, like I had to, so for me, that montage was making that super dark thing that we knew this movie had to cover in some way and glossing over it as best they could. You know, I I feel like they did a really good job with the levity of it, with the soundtrack, with, you know, just sort of showing it all happening without, you know, putting some feel to it but not dwelling, not saying that part out loud, but then they said that other part out loud. So like the movie as a whole to me was very light. Like it had these deep topics. And I think Caleb, this might be interesting how we, where you look at the overall subject matter and it gives you the feeling of the heaviness and denseness. And I'm like literally looking at the show itself. Like, yeah. Like for me, there was something about the white uniforms, the snow, the, that to me, being in the clouds, that made the whole movie feel, feel lighter, even though it was yeah. an intense subject matter. Yeah. To me, <laughs> my filter is what question am I going to get asked in the car on the way home from a child? Just anticipating, like, so I know like they were part of the secret police, but what were all those other girls in that, in, in there? Like, where did they get all those girls? And like, I have to now explain that human trafficking exists for children, the age of my kids. That is, I think where it really like struck home to me of like, Oh, this could be an interesting, you know, ride home conversation. So when you got to the ride home, did she remember that part of it? Uh, no, I mean, it was enough of, and this is to your point, it was enough of a fun Marvel movie that, you know, she was talking more about like the action stuff. I I will say that both my wife and daughter, there were quite a bit of tears, like some of that dinner room, dinner table scene, 
where like Yelena talks about how real it was to her and that that family was real to her. Like I hear, I heard sobs going on like to my right as we watched that, which is interesting to me. It, it, it didn't hit me quite that way, but I think I need, I'm always interested in how my daughter and my wife respond to this stuff because they are some of the general audience that Marvel is trying to appeal to beyond just old comic book people like me. I cried exactly twice when watching it. Once when we got the Marvel flip through and it was just like, <laughs> I'm going to do a little tear escaped. And uh, the post credit scene, it pulled a tear to my eye. Yeah. Like, I, just like it, it doesn't make any sense, but I thought she was going to the mom's grave, which doesn't make sense because she had a different mom. Right. But like, that's what I thought it was. And then when I saw it was Nat's grave, I was like, oh, duh. Oh, you know, like uh, it took me back a minute. Yeah, I have to give them props for it because they couldn't get me. Like, I didn't even remember Nat died at the end of Endgame. You know, when they're like, she would have been proud or whatever, whatever that line was at Tony's little memorial thing. I didn't remember her. But when they showed the tombstone, I was like, oh, and I'm just like a little tear. Yeah. They got me it's, to cry over Nat. It's so insane how much the MCU is like comics. You know? Because, I mean, what? So now she... I mean, we knew she was in Hawkeye, but apparently she might be like the primary antagonist yeah. of Hawkeye. You know? So, like, this... It's insane. It's not going to be... Eventually, they're going to have to reboot with the new number ones and stuff. You know? But I mean, this stuff is, it's getting tied in pretty together. Yeah. I mean, it always has been, but between every Disney Plus show so far setting up something else, you know, kind of quitting the show Cold Turkey. um, And having Julia Louis-Dreyfus move between them, I think helps that a lot too. You know, like that was a great connective tissue. Right. I would assume she's going to be the new Thunderbolt Ross. I'm, yep. I'm not sure we'll see is William Hurt going to be in anything else, you know, since they're already established. I'm also have questions about Ross's um, jurisdiction. <laughs> it's like, what was he doing where the, when the red room collapsed? Well, we don't know where it collapsed. The fact that he found it so quickly was also fascinating. Like didn't even have to get right. on a plane. He was at a Howard Johnson around the corner. Right, that's why, like, just chilling out the hojo, man. Where was <laughs> I? Don't know. That's that's petty little stuff. Yeah, that, that we'll get a bad review for. <laughs> uh, whatever, you know. I mean, the the post credit. I mean, it was a delight. Of course, it was spoiled for for me beforehand. Um, but it's still still fun. I was, I was. They told me there was a dog in it. I'm like, oh, lucky, but I wasn't lucky. Yeah, I had to say that my favorite joke. Um, when Allegra walks up next to her and goes, I'm sorry, I'm just allergic to the Midwest. Like I laughed so hard and I guess I was the only one in our theater, but I just, the way that it shows her disdain for anything like normal and down to earth and decent was just, it was perfect. It's something I would expect Elaine Bennis to say when she's in her fifties, you know, (laughs) this was in Ohio, right? Ohio's part of the Midwest. Is Ohio now Midwest? It's kind of out on its out on its own there. I don't know. I, I have I have a friend from Ohio and she very, very much claims the Midwest as her mm-hmm. culture. 
that's because they need something. Ohio's one of those where it's not quite Midwest. It's not quite Appalachia. It's not quite. Yeah, it's got to go I would, somewhere. I would compare her more to my friend. I mean, like my friend from Wisconsin. Like, it's they're they're like the type of food they lean towards. The cheese farm and ruralness um it fits she seems midwestern to me that's one person as a michigander i always said the midwest is like michigan ohio indiana illinois wisconsin minnesota to me, Iowa, like I get why people call it, but like Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, I always think of those as the Plains states, you know, like they are a little beyond Midwest. How is Minnesota Midwest and Iowa isn't? Because it's Come further. On, well, that's true. I mean, Minnesota mm-hmm. is is just north of Iowa, isn't it? So, yeah. I can go to. I mean, people tried to say Oklahoma was the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And... No, see, now that's Plains. That Kansas, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, nobody lives in Nebraska, so that's just whatever. Yeah. Sorry to all of our listeners that live in Nebraska. It's just whatever. And you get past Lincoln, there's nothing out there. There, No, nothing. All right. Do you guys have any other Black Widow thoughts? We've done an excellent job of wrapping this up in a half hour. No. <laughs> Do you guys have any other thoughts on that stuff? No, I'm just really happy. I mean, I, I'm pleasantly surprised by the movie. And... um. And I mean, just like my final thought on all of it is this just, you know, what I went into earlier, it works so much as a movie, like the Marvel concept and their depth of story and, and everything works as movies. So I hope they figure out that rhythm, what works for television. Hmm. And I'll leave you guys to talk about television. Yeah. Cinemas are back though, man. Black Widow brought the, brought the box office back 13 mil yesterday, last night. Better Ooh. than certain movies from the distinguished competition. Um, yeah, it also what it's on norm with all other Marvel movies, right? For previews, at least. Yeah, it it also struck me as a perfect opener to Phase Four. As far as this is a great on ramp of a movie. Like if you have avoided the MCU and never watched one, I would have no concern sending my totally Marvel illiterate friends to see this. And they could pick it up and be cool with it. You know, like they really did not make this one hard to, to get onto. So it doesn't go anywhere, but you know, save for the post-credit scene, but I spell what you're stepping in. You don't need to watch a dozen things beforehand. 20 things. Yeah. All right. I'm peacing out. Bye guys. Bye Rhiannon. So Adam, let's talk about Loki episode five. Uh, we, we got to, first of all, the very first thing, the first line was like, we're about to be eaten by Elathar or whatever that thing is called. Yeah. Elioth. And we're in the void. And I just heard it real quickly as we're about to get attacked by the void. And I was like, what centuries in this show? Like I literally paused it 10 seconds in and rewound to make sure that that was not a big century drop, but it was not. Nonetheless, or is it? Oh, did, did old Rob create this world somehow? Is Rob in the castle, or is it Doctor Doom or Kang? Or... How has nobody suggested that the castle is is run, run by Sentry because the Void is the outside of the castle? Now that is a piece I'll write about. 
BRP. There you go. I will. Uh, I'll type that one up. None of this. I expect to see that before Wednesday. We'll see it tonight, probably if <laughs> if things are this slow. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't think you asked the question. I think that was just a minute. I had a similar thought. I mean, I think the episode name was called the void or it was like in the description or something. And when it was like the and void were both capitalized and I'm like, Hmm. Boy, what? Yeah. Interesting. But will we get century? I don't know. I mean, how, how many Superman type characters can we have? We already have Captain Marvel. We'll probably get blue Marvel. We'll probably oh. <laughs> are we going to get century are we going to get gladiator you know right. i would sacrifice the whole entire mcu to get star jammers versus like the imperial guard or something you know and gladiator and all that stuff you know how many how many of those characters can we get i would love century like uh just really dark black hammer-esque series you know involving rob on the farm or something like that. It has nothing to do with Loki, but you know, just century, century news desk. Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah. It's um well you were saying like how many of those characters can we get? Based on seeing Red Guardian and Black Widow, we're going to get a million caps. Like right. the MCU went from this formula worked once to oh no, there's about half a dozen times somebody figured out the super soldier forum of formula in about three months, you know, like that was part of that movie that bothered me actually it was like where did red guardian come from that's true that's true and in less than a month or almost a month a month and two days we will get the british captain america as well yeah so here comes captain canuck here comes who else all sorts of other people so when we look at loki to me it was the exact opposite of what we just said with black widow we said black widow was an uh, an awesome on-ramp loki episode five was fan service beyond <laughs> fan service it was just right. like it was just easter egg after easter egg after easter egg and i think it's fun like i think it's fun that marvel can put out two things like that within two days of each other that are that vastly different and it's cool to me that they do reward people that want to see i mean i do i was joking about throg last week but like actually seeing Throg and uh, the living tribunal statue or whatever that was mm-hmm. out there. Uh, it's really weird. There's a giant um, wa- or, um, yellow jacket helmet. Mm-hmm. And then we hear news that like yellow jacket showing up and Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. I just, I think it's, it's great. I don't know. It was, to me, it was fun that Marvel went ahead and just did something that had that many easter eggs and that many like oh look at that stuff in it you know yeah and this circles back to the whole comic aspect of it you know these are writers this writer's room can put all this stuff in there and some writer along the line can pick up the piece and say so this may be nothing or it's it's something you know whether it's a plot device or whether it's a show maybe there's actually going to be a show about kang enterprises which we thought was the avengers tower but it's a direct Kang thing, which we may or may not get. Um, Thanos copter, you know, Thanos copter was in there. As, what else? Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's nothing as of now, you know, but it could be something, you know, with the MCU, you know, who knows, right? Anyone could get their own show. Anything can be 
um, on there. I assumed we were going to get Throg um, in a bigger role, either in like Love and Thunder stuff, maybe Love and Thunder, you know, if it'll be in Love and Thunder. But uh, I would call it like a, I mean, it was a filler episode in the terms of Easter eggs. Um, yeah, it's why not, man? We've we've watched how many hours of Marvel content now? Why? That's also one of my pet peeves. This is now a, a new path. We I just created a Nexus event, so bear with me for one second. I don't like when people think fan service is bad. Why? Why is fan service bad, man? You know how much money I've spent on movie tickets and merchandise and toys and all this stuff? Give me what the hell I want, you know? Give you what the hell you want. Give us what the hell we want. What's what's wrong with that? So fan service is not bad. And anyone who says it is, is wrong. And that's objective and not an opinion. I mean, I would say in this place, it, it totally made sense. Like the void mm-hmm. is a place that you should see weird peculiarities and you should see things from other universes and it's brilliant because they don't have as you said they can pick up continuity later like they can send yellow jacket into the quantum realm spinning and the post credits can be him landing in the void and growing big and then getting decapitated like you know like they can connect that if they want or they cannot And the void totally allows that because it can be just some random junk from a multiverse or it can be something that matters. And to me, that's the place to do it. And they did it the right way that it's all it's Easter egg stuff. Um, I I think the problem would come, you know, if they got there and Loki's like the secret to all of this is that we have to appeal to the living tribunal. And that was like an out of left field plot twist that doesn't make sense to someone who's watching the show that doesn't know comics. That's where I think you get in trouble because it alienates new viewers. Whereas here, if you don't know those Easter eggs, you just go, oh, look, that's some cool looking crap on the screen. And that's all you need. I do have a major fan theory for this week. This is my official Caleb theory. Um, We're talking about who's in the castle, right? This is the big Mm -hmm. mystery. Uh, And a lot of people think we're going to get Kang. And to me, the problem with Kang is that there is a lot to explain or describe if you're just going to introduce him out of nowhere. The fastest way to get Kang in this is you spent all season getting people used to the concept of variants. They're just going to make Kang a Loki variant. Kang is like the king of Loki variants. Who's taken on another? You already have Sylvie or Enchantress, who is a Loki who has a totally different identity. Uh, we've already had boastful Loki, who's a black man who's Loki. Like, so they've already done all the hurdles that you'd have to do. And I'm sure some of the fans would freak out about it, but it would be an easy way to give us Kang in this universe and to describe it in a way that they can do in 10 seconds without having to like give us 10 minutes of exposition in a final episode to make it work. And so I'm starting to think that we're going to get Kang and Kang is a Loki. Interesting. That's combining the two prevailing fan theories then. Yeah. Into one. I like that. I like that. I also like that keeping them separate and having Renslayer as a Kang variant, but Renslayer could also be a Loki variant. I like or that. or Renslur is a Mobius variant. 
or Mobius is a Loki variant. Yeah. They should have probably set the groundwork for Kang by now if Kang was going to be in the show. But this show still kind of bends its rules. Yeah. What else? What else did they go through this week? Like the whole explanation of the void and stuff about how the void is still being written by the timekeepers, even though we saw the timekeepers were fake and and all this stuff. I yeah. Throw him in there. I mean, we know he's coming. We know he was cast in time to film certain stuff. Um, at this rate, I would be very, very surprised he's not in it. In fact, if he's not in it, it's going to come out one or two months from now, like they did with Doctor Strange and WandaVision, how he was supposed to be in it and it was cut out because of COVID restrictions or something. You know, um, to me, it's it's about clever writing too. Uh, We just rewatched Age of Ultron the other day, and there's a part where they're trying to describe like what Wanda and Pietro are, and then Maria Hill goes, "He's really fast and she's really weird," and it was like, "Oh, that's perfect. Like that is just an that's a great line that makes the reader, you know, like makes the viewer comfortable." And it leaves some unanswered questions, but it gets you caught up. I could almost see if they do introduce Kang, they're like, who are you? How did you get this power? And he just looks at Sylvan and he goes, in the same way that you put yourself in an apocalypse for years and years and years to fight the TVA, I've been doing that for millennia. And I have gained so much power doing it. And you go, oh, okay. Awesome. Like that would be plenty, I think, to like make people comfortable. So I'd be down with that. As the show has progressed, do you find yourself liking it more? Cause like I think what's interesting to me is that I was telling uh the family last night, Loki was my third favorite of the Disney Plus shows so far until this week. And the more that they just lean into the weirdness and just accept that that's what they are the more that I have appreciated it. Like it's gotten its own flavor to it. Yeah. The further you get away from um, black leather costumes and grounded storylines and dragon LED lights, you know, the better I'm going to like it Um, compared to last week. I did like last week a lot better than I did like this week. I guess I don't really have any reason why, because they went full bonkers, man. We got the void. We got a lieth. Um, we got President Loki. We got a dozen other Lokis. And that one scene where they all turn on each other is peak Loki and, and absolutely hilarious. Um, and the alligator just like chewing arms off. Like. Right, right, right. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, there's zero blood in that scene either, you know? So that's the thing. You could rip the whole arm off so long as there's no blood. Um, I'm liking Loki a lot, man. I don't, I don't know if I want to ready because i mean i do hate to bring up the f word but finales man finales i don't think i've liked a disney plus finale yet um no i loki for me loki will be if they really do a great job this week i will like it more than falcon winter soldier and if they don't do a great job this week it'll probably still be my third favorite of the disney plus shows so right so i mean let's see by that i mean on the press tour leading up to this, they Waldron said something about hiring um, 
um, Isha Ali to do the time traveling rules and stuff. And they haven't really in- even introduced time traveling rules, you know, have they? I mean, all they do is when a timeline pops up, they send it to the void. And that's their time traveling rules, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, the idea that when they prune, that they can't uncreate matter, right? Like, that's a rule mm-hmm. of physics that, like, you know, matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, just converts. And so the idea of sending it to the end of time, it actually reminds me of the way that Miss Marvel technically in the comics now, like her power is time traveling. When she embiggens, she just borrows mass from another point in the timeline where she shrunk and gave mass. If that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. People hate that. I think it's awesome. I just love that like bonkers explanation, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the finale goes before, before I rank it. I hated the WandaVision finale. As yeah. as everyone already knows, so yeah, let's let's wait a week and then we can do then we can do a ranking. But so far, it's it's killer, man. I am getting growingly concerned. Hiddleston's time in the role is coming to an end because they're doing a lot of stuff where Loki season two doesn't need him. I mean, yeah. I don't see why he wouldn't do it. He seems dedicated to the role and all that stuff. But at the same time, he is. With no more RDJ or ScarJo or Chris Evans, you know, Hiddleston's probably the biggest name the MCU has. Unless I'm forgetting some major person moving forward. Um, Yeah, I I think the idea that he hands it down to that kid Loki and that kid Loki joins the Young Avengers, to me, that would be totally on 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 the track of where i feel like this this is going so right i mean classic loki's gone or is he you know maybe those we've seen the tva prune people and they get sent to the void so maybe whatever Eliath does does something you know and they get sent to wherever but yeah kid loki sylvie um we'll see i mean this is the one show we've seen so far that can definitely have a season two. I have no idea what's planned. You know, it sounds like the TVA is out the window or maybe Enchantress leads the TVA or something of that nature. Um, that's in the future, man. They've got to be working on so much stuff. I just want one leaked photo of a whiteboard, you know, just one yeah. hack. I'm not telling you to hack. All right, but if one of those pictures popped up on Reddit, I would look at it, you know, just yeah. see what's what's coming up. Loki season two is probably one of those things. Yeah, as is I, the Daredevil trilogy, but you know, <laughs> I did enjoy. Uh, I've liked the romantic relationship because I, I do. I, I have been convinced that I guess it is. I just love how it's just complicated. Like you can tell mm-hmm. these two people are connected in a deep way, but the writers, I feel like have done an awesome job of saying, is it friendship? Is it romantic? Is it something else? Yeah. It's complex. They know that they like each other in a significant way, but defining what that looks like or means is something that they don't know how to do and they don't know where that's headed. And that just feels authentic to me, you know, like, it feels like they're writing two people actually getting to know each other instead of forcing them into like a Hollywood best friend trope or a Hollywood dating couple trope or whatever, you know? 
Loki's the one character that can do this. Yeah. You know, so why wouldn't they do it? Is it romantic? Is it just a friendship? Who knows? We'll probably never know. I mean, I'm assuming it's romantic and people were sending death threats last week to the shippers. But I mean, what? I don't think it's great. If you think it's gross, I always go back to it. Look at Loki's story in Norse mythology. Look at any mythology, man. Read read about Zeus and what Zeus has done. You know, read about Loki and Loki's animal children. You know, it's it's weird. Those people are weird, man. Whoever wrote those stories are weird. Weird yeah. stuff disturbed. Just imagine if they had like Rob Liefeld to do the art or something, you know? Yeah. But it's yeah, whatever. Well, I don't think we'll ever get an answer to whether or not it's romantic. So then that's probably going to be the next thing where people get upset that we don't get that answer. Or maybe they kiss. What happens if they kiss? What's going to happen if they kiss? The world is going to blow up. You know, there's just going to be fire. No, yeah, not, nothing. <laughs> How many MCU kisses have we gotten? Uh, Stephen Peggy and Endgame, right? So uh Stephen Peggy kiss. Oh, they've done first Avenger. Uh Hulk and Betty Ross. Uh Tony and Gwen Paltrow. Um Jane Foster and Thor. Like there's kisses in every phase one movie, I think. Um I think we may get one in Ultron between Black Widow and Hulk. Um uh, there's one between Ant-Man and Wasp and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, there's one between Peter and MJ and No Way Home. So I don't know. Somewhat frequent. So it's not a new thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd imagine that's an excess event. I, I am still of the belief that genetically speaking, Loki is totally different than Sylvie. He is the child of lawfully and some frost giant woman and she is a kid from a totally different civilization and they both were adopted and they were both named loki and that is the limit to how similar they are so to me it's not that weird interesting but even if she, she was loki you know i don't think it's that weird because it's loki he's a trickster he's uh i don't know it's not that big a deal, people. It's television. Stop sending death threats. It's make, to it's make believe. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about quickly because we got a trailer for it. Uh, what do you think of that What If trailer? Shuma Gorath, man. That's that's all we need. Shuma. We got Shuma Gorath. Maybe. I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, there's absolutely nothing in the trailer that could have spoiled Loki. I mean, episode five didn't reveal anything Yeah. Um, special. So I'm just curious to know the decision behind that. I mean, Netflix drops trailers for their stuff the week before. Two right. weeks before. If we get something for Netflix a month, I'm not sure they ever have done something a month beforehand. Well, you know? So the timeline for streaming stuff is a lot uh, quicker cycle and much more intense because you don't have to plan to go out to the theater or you don't have to buy tickets or anything like that. you know. Well, and I should, I should say, I, I think I screwed up understanding this a little bit because I was thinking that we hadn't seen a first trailer, but looking back at the way they talked about it back in December, 
the look they gave us in December, they talked about the same way they talked about the Falcon and Winter Soldier stuff that was effectively the first trailer. So I think in Marvel's minds, they gave us the first trailer in December. And this is the second trailer. And this being five weeks out is exactly when Disney Plus dropped second trailers. So they didn't really reveal them. What did they? We had teases of Howard the Duck before, I think. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a big reveal. I mean, the tentacles were a pretty big reveal. Um, I'm trying to think of. I mean, the biggest thing to me that was a surprise was. Um, so there seems to be crossover. Like Captain Carter mm-hmm. is in a scene with dark doctor strange yep and they're talking and then there's that like avenger shot where we see like someone as black panther and then we see gamora with thanos's helicopter blade and we see t'challa star lord and we see like uh like party thor Mm -hmm. all together and that seems to suggest to me that i thought each of these would be like standalone stories but there seems to be maybe that this thing is going to lead to maybe a team up story where like characters from different what if universes get together. I think the Shuma Gorath thing is interesting because that could be like the big bad almost like each mm-hmm. of these seasons might be a phase that leads to a team up, which is not at all what I anticipated. I, I really just, just think every week would be standalone. And so if that's true, that to me adds an interesting fresh wrinkle to what's going on. Oh, for sure. Um, I do. I think you brought it up maybe is if they'd release them all at once. And I would guess that's, that's probably out the window by now. Um, yeah. Timing will be interesting because they've told us there's about 10 of them mm-hmm. and it starts August 11th. If they do them one at a time, they're really jamming themselves up on Miss Marvel and Hawkeye at the end of the year. So I'm wondering if maybe it's shorter, maybe they do two a week. Like we'll get five weeks of the show and we'll get two each, each week. I don't, I, that's not based on knowledge in any way. I'm just, cause if you do I'm, it the other way, right. the calendar gets so condensed for them, you know? Right. I do think Hawkeye is probably going to be 21, 22 combined as well. I don't think they'll squeeze in Hawkeye um before the end of the year all six episodes before the end um i mean i think i think they're just waiting for spider-man to drop um just for reasons um before hawkeye premieres or maybe there's a certain episode that ties into spider-man somehow some way shape or form plus we've seen it's set around christmas too so um well, and we've said it would be awesome. I've said, like, I think it'd be great if Hawkeye could somehow combine in a way that you see something on Hawkeye on Wednesday that you're like, oh, what is that? And then you see it explained on Friday when you go see Spider-Man. And then the next Wednesday they pick up like, that's fun. I'm super here for that. That's kind of what they did at the very earliest days of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I would love to see again, so... I mean, we'll get there eventually. It's a matter of time. There, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll eventually do it. This quick would surprise me, but it's totally not out out of the question. You know, we're not going to get any more delays, save for um, 
some act of God or something like that. You know, I think most studios are probably super comfortable with sending stuff back out into theaters. Um, the Spider-Man marketing cycle, that's a completely monster. Nobody can even understand or analyze or anything like that. Cause that's just, yeah. they've just totally broken all norms by now, but they're not going to move that movie. So as long as, um, yeah, I don't Mandalorian was two years, right. Or not two years, but December, January. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I was only noting that like, starting august 11th there's 21 wednesdays left Mm -hmm. so that's not enough to do 10 what ifs six miss marvels and six hawkeyes unless it goes and it it could cross over but as you said we did see well who knows if that matters i was about to say we saw like holiday scenes in hawkeyes filming but the flip side of that is we saw a big trick-or-treating scene in wandavision that came out in march so who cares (laughs) it is awesome so interesting that Marvel Studios can't get anything at once as well. They didn't get RDJ, Chris Evans, Brie Larson, and Del Toro back, and someone else, Cumberbatch, back to voice their animated characters. Yeah, I feel like the Vision, I think Vision's Different, in that trailer, yeah. and it was not Paul Bettany. Right, it didn't, it didn't sound like it, but uh, I thought they, they said something. Variety has a list of who's in, and they included Howard the Duck in it, but then they included um, RDJ in, in that group. That That's not reprising it. It could be schedule stuff. Um, I mean, it's more than likely contract stuff, and they just either couldn't pay enough or, or something. I mean, I don't see RDJ doing voice stuff, you know? I don't know yeah. why. Well, and I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. Brie Larson, no, but like Chris Evans and RDJ, it may be that those are guys that, as far as they were concerned, finished their time, you know, like that, I don't know that this was such a sprawling part of their lives that for like emotional closure, you kind of need this feeling like it's over. I don't have to do this again, you know? So yeah, I mean, totally. I don't see why not. You know, and I mean, it, I don't see what if being a super, super big money maker. I mean, I I would guess, even though it's Disney, Disney still has budgets to stick with. You know, especially after the the crappy year everyone just had, and Disney yeah. laid off a substantial amount of people, so there's still budgets and, and things like that. Um, and they've figured out on the Star Wars side. Like they don't get Samuel L. Jackson back or Ewan McGregor back to do most of their Star Wars cartoons. And the Star Wars fans just love the animated voice cast and they're fine with them. So this what if does strike me as as subscription renewal guarantee. Like what if to me is the spackling that they like put onto the wall for whatever part of the calendar year that they don't have a show like out ready to go. They're like, oh, we've got a gap in August. Oh, throw a, throw what if in there, and that way people can't get rid of their subscription. That's maybe kind of cynical, but I mean, they're they're treating it from the um, consumer product stuff. They're treating it like a normal show. Man, yeah. we've already seen the the Funko Wave. We've I think this month's collector core box is what if, isn't it? Yeah, or it's coming soon. Sorry if um, that's spoiling your guys's boxes or something. No, no, no. Um, it's, that's the way it's been advertised on Amazon. So, right. 
So I do think it will be a lot more connected than we think. I mean, I do believe it's entirely canon. Um, my colleague Charlie Ridgely brought this up, and I'm going to hate to see it not happen, but he was wondering um, if the Watcher is somehow involved in Loki. Like if Jeffrey Wright oh. pops up in like a post credit scene or, yeah. or something like that, you know, just to lead into what if I'm like, hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm totally on board with it idea, you know. I don't have reason to believe we'll see Jeffrey Wright in live action. Yeah. But it's a total Marvel move. Yeah. You know, I mean, we see all these variants now. And that this is why all this interconnectivity works, man. We just watched, we just spent a month and a half, two months watching all these variants so it's second nature that we're going to get 10 episodes of more variants i would assume that's what they are you know yeah no it's awesome uh before we wrap i i cannot let this episode end without saying richard e grant i don't know how i forgot to mention it that scene where he builds asgard that is the best moment in a marvel tv show so far on disney plus like the way it was shot, the music, it, the heroic entry, you know, like that's the one that when they when they re- update the Marvel fanfare at the beginning of the movies, mm-hmm. there should be a shot of Richard E. Grant like pulling his arms down and like the Asgard flying up behind him. That's that's the money shot that should be in that fanfare because I thought it was so cool. Natalie Holt needs to score anything. I, the score's probably been one of the most consistent parts of the show and I've enjoyed it um, much more than anything I can remember from the MCU so far in terms of music. Um, no, that was just a phenomenal moment. You're right. And I wouldn't say it's probably my favorite out of the shows, you know, the chaos magic line from Agatha. That's, that's still hard to beat. Um, but yeah, it's great, man. It was really good. We'll see what the finale is, man. Six days. One, two, three, five. Five. Holy cow. Even less by the time they get it. Four, three, or four by the time they they listen. So it's yeah. um it's coming quick, man. Then we get a little bit of a little bit of a break that we'll have to switch over to food news desk. Food news desk again, right? Uh, it's actually um, being timed perfectly that uh I am on vacation the week before what if comes out, so we'll oh. probably take that week off. But oh yeah, man. But yeah, it's good. It it's great watching a Disney Plus show on Wednesday and then getting a, a new movie the next day on Thursday and then a trailer. This is the content that we were, were starved of for so long. So hashtag content. Don't say that too loud. People hate content. It's not artisanal enough. They say that, but then they watch it. So right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. This show, like I said, we put this together. Wanted to make sure we get it out. We had travel schedules and stuff. So thanks for listening. It was a little unusual of an episode. But we'll be back next week to pull apart the very last episode of Loki. We'll see you then.